0: you know businesses have the opportunity to make such an impact whether it's in their community or with their people or anything like that and that's that goes for every business in our community or in many communities um smaller businesses have the flexibility to react m- more and and to have a little bit more touch with like local things so mm-hmm. um you know if there's causes like we care about or the community cares about we are maybe more likely to give right directly back to those things that people care about and um, we do. We do a lot of giving. So um, I think knowing who you do business with and where that the money, the dollars you're spending, where that's going, mm-hmm. and if you're, you know, if somebody's deciding to buy online, um, I think it's, you know, I think that's that's someone's decision. And also knowing where your dollars are going because dollars really make an impact. They they mean in our society it, it actually equates to a lot of power. It can make big decisions and um, and it can also make um, big impacts on, um, for other people's lives.
1: Welcome to the Small Business Storyteller Show, the podcast designed to learn from the successes and the failures of small businesses making an impact. My name is Seth Silvers. And after four years of helping small businesses learn to market with stories, I've learned that someone might be selling something similar to you, but nobody, absolutely no one can compete with your stories. This show is dedicated to diving into the one thing that makes every small business unique, their story, and learning from the good and the hard parts. If you see business as a tool for good and you want to learn from others who believe the same, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Small Business Storyteller Show. Welcome back to another week of the Small Business Storytellers. Uh, I'm here with somebody who's been a good friend of mine for the last few years, Jennifer Guerrero?
0: Yes. Okay, great.
1: I realize I've typed the name many times, but I have not pronounced the name right. very much.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and Jennifer, I am excited that you're here because you're a second generation business owner. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is unique because obviously most family businesses tend to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, so give our listeners just some context for what is your business and kind of paint the picture for what the Light Center is now, and then we're going to kind of go back in time and talk about how it's kind of transitioned and how it's been built over the last 40 years, right?
0: Yeah, 47 years now. 47
1: years, so Mm -hmm. almost 50 years. So Mm -hmm. give us some context for what business and life looks like for you right now.
0: Okay, thanks, Seth. I'm really glad to be here today. Um, So we are a 47-year-old business, the Light Center, and we're a retail lighting showroom Uh, in Fort Collins, and we also have um, really the biggest part of our business is serving the residential and commercial markets for lighting. So we have uh, lighting experts that are going out into the field and helping people on their home lighting selections. Um, We do big projects like OtterBox. We've done Hilton Hotels. We've done all sorts of different large-scale commercial. Um, We've done some energy efficiency work. Um, So we're pretty diversified and we love the heart of our business really is the retail floor with, uh, people coming in the store and buying something as simple as a light bulb or a, a part. So we're all things lighting. Uh, the only type of lighting we don't do is, uh, um, theater lighting. So yeah, it's a really fun business. We have 38 employees. Um, and my dad started the business in 1971 when really the commercial or excuse me, the, um, building business was starting to boom. Uh, at that time there was really nothing South of prospect road and there were just housing areas. And for those people that
1: don't live in Fort Collins that are listening, uh, Fort Collins is now like 160,000. And I'm sure, I don't know. I'm sure it was half that in 71, like the last three or four decades, it's just grown like Mm -hmm. crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So many, many home developments have been lit by our Uh, lighting. And it's really fun to um, see that transition from the seventies till now and how the products have changed. And um, we have some customers that have been with us that long. We've got vendors that have, um, we've had relationships with uh, that we've seen for that many years as well. So Mm -hmm. you really build those relationships and um, they are long standing and we have even very uh, long-term employees too that are in our business. So it makes it really fun.
1: Yeah. And if if you ever are in Fort Collins or you live in Fort Collins and you haven't been to the light center, it's, I think it's like magical. Uh, it's just like such a fun shop to mm-hmm. like walk into. And you guys are so intentional about how it's laid out and how everything is designed. And mm-hmm. I feel like you could just like walk around and look at all these amazing lighting fixtures mm-hmm. um, for a long time, which I know is part of the goal mm-hmm. uh, that people actually come into the shop. And so it really is an amazing storefront. Um, and I love... I love your business because there's certain things in our life that we consume and they're a part of our everyday life, but we don't really think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I don't really think about the light that I'm turning on every single day or the door that I'm opening or the, like the floor tiles I'm walking on. Like I don't, those are things that are a part of every person's life every day, but we don't think about it. Mm -hmm. And so then it's so fun to hear more about a company like like yours that over the last 40 years has been taking something that to many is just it's a light Mm -hmm. you know what what can you do with a light but in reality like lighting is much more than just flipping a switch and stuff Mm -hmm. so how how do you guys look at like lighting as value and like as really like bringing value to people's lives through Mm. lighting
0: that's a great question um well, I believe that um, because design, or excuse me, lighting has really sprouted from what originally was just a functional, it served a functional purpose, and now it's turned into, as you mentioned, design, and then also there's a the pretty highly technical side, which is how to light a room, right? Um, it, whatever room that may be, if it's a an office space or kitchen or something like that, and... Um, the value I think is having customers be able to experience um, lighting, turning into a turning a space into something that feels really good to them and they enjoy. Um, I think we all want to be in an atmosphere that we that feels good to us, and sometimes that's the color, sometimes that's the, um, just you know people describe the way something feels, and lighting I think plays such a huge part in that. So we're really trying to create. Um, the right atmosphere for people with lighting and um we're finding now i think the next level of lighting value is going to be things like um wellness so Hmm. how does lighting affect us um what does the actual color itself do for our circadian rhythms and that sort of thing so there's all sorts of new things coming on board in the lighting industry that i think will be fascinating in the next 10 years even so right yeah um, uh, the other value I see is, um, something, I don't know, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, really that connection between, um, design and technical is, is a way to achieve something that you wouldn't normally with any other element of design. Mm-hmm. So
1: what would your, what would your kind of defense be to people that say like, kind of that lighting doesn't really matter. It doesn't really affect us. Like, I guess, how would you, um, what would you present to show people like lighting really does, it affects the way we go throughout our day. It affects the rooms mm-hmm. we're in. It affects the mood. It affects productivity. Like,
2: mm-hmm. is
1: does it actually play a role in all of these things? And should we actually be like intentional about how mm-hmm. we're lighting our homes and our offices and stuff?
0: Sure. Um, well, uh, something as basic as, you know, sunshine it being so integral to our survival obviously um lighting is obviously directed directly related to that and i think Mm -hmm. we've always thought of lighting as the lamp we turn on and it's this object but really when you relate um light to how we perceive um the atmosphere or um really like i said our wellness um it is absolutely crucial to how we feel Mm -hmm. um and you can demonstrate it in as something as dramatic as like turning the lights off and what it feels like being totally dark and how, how that disorients you. Or you can um, show it by having a really bright room that um, when you walk in, it's really glary and something is just, you know, it's shining in your eyes. It's not the right color and it just makes you feel agitated or um, anxious or something like that. And those are the more extreme examples, but um, really surrounding yourself with the kind of light that works for you or being able to change the lighting throughout the day or even into the nighttime um to achieve the best feel and and have um something that makes you feel um maybe even the afternoon where some people might feel like they need coffee Mm -hmm. you can actually turn your lighting up and make it brighter and um that's the time of the day that the sunshine is normally brighter well is of course brighter as well um you can um achieve a heightened awareness or heightened state of alertness in the afternoon because your lighting is brighter. Interesting. So having the control over your lighting as well, it makes huh. a big difference.
1: It's probably why I've been tired all day. Is Cause <laughs> I've been in this room all day. It's dimly lit. It
0: makes a big difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going
1: to start recording these outside <laughs> at noon.
0: Yeah. You think about the biological response to how, um, lighting is, you know, we have a natural biological response to light in general. And so absolutely the lighting we have in our spaces, um, does the same thing.
1: Right yeah that's fascinating yeah so let's um let's talk about the business and Mm -hmm. growing up like as a very small child Mm -hmm. in the business that now you're you own and you're transitioning to Mm -hmm. own fully Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um talk to us a little bit about what that's been like like have you ever had other jobs or did you just like grow up and we're babysat at the light center and then you got your first job and now you're the owner. I'm sure it's not like that. So like walk us through growing up and kind of to, to now where you're in charge.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, when I was younger, it was, um, my life in the lighting or in the light center was really visiting my dad and getting pop out of the pop machine and sliding down the what was, what I know now is the inventory slide, but at the time I, th- I just thought it was there for my brother and I to enjoy. And, um, <laughs> as I got into my teens and we started working there we all of the kids. Um, so we there's, I have three siblings and we all worked there when we were in high school. And so I would start by changing all the light bulbs and, um, I got to know the office and the Accounting and a lot of um, basic, really good customer record type of things and getting to know the people that had already been working there for many years who a couple of them are still working there actually after um, more than 35 years. Mm -hmm. We have two employees. So um, I guess the the experience for me was um, learning every single side of the business, and I did have a couple of other smaller jobs. Um, One of them was in a retail company. I worked at Z gallery in college and I did some data entry and that was really the extent to my other experience. But otherwise it's been, um, really in our business steeped very, very, uh, long time in there. So, um, uh, and how long
1: ago did you start kind of transitioning it from like your parents mm-hmm. beginning to step out to, to mm-hmm.
0: you? Yeah. So my dad, um, he, when I started working there full time in 2000, um, I I didn't know the the sales side of the business. So that's when I started learning the products. And mm-hmm. um, then as I learned the products and I got to know more of the customers, and I did my own um, work with customers directly on everything from you know simple small houses to high end you know really high end uh, custom houses and some commercial projects. Um, then I really got the passion for the business and. Then in 2009, I started buying in. So I was 20% owner. Okay. Um, uh, I started becoming 20% owner in 2009. I still am 20% owner. And um, so it's just my dad and I and the family. And um, yeah, he's uh, he's been a great mentor for me. So. And he's
1: still pretty involved.
0: He is there quite often and pretty involved. Um, he is still, I look at him as such a great guide for a wealth of information and he's the person that will always, you know, check us back to like, what are the basics? What are the, the things that we need to focus on? Um, and he has that just that innate sense of like good business mm-hmm. practice, uh, good decisions. And, and, uh, he and I really enjoy working together. So that's cool. Yeah.
1: Did you see that happening or was that part of the plan or part of the dream that your dad would one day pass it on to one of his kids?
0: No, he was pretty, um, he was very focused on the fact that he wanted us to make our own decisions about what we wanted to do and he didn't want to put that pressure on us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Excuse me. So, you know, it was a gradual and very natural fit that I, little by little, decided that I loved the business and that, um, he decided I was worthy of having an ownership, uh, part in the business. So, um... I love the fact that it came about that way and that he didn't have that plan in place already or that dream. And yeah, it's just something I, I knew I wanted to do.
1: Was there like a moment or like a dinner or a morning or something where Mm -hmm. like, I'm curious to win the conversation of finally like, yeah, I want to be a part owner in this. Like Mm -hmm. how did that happen? And what was, Mm -hmm. uh, when did that moment where you kind of both realize like, Oh, this is like a transition makes sense here.
0: Yeah, actually, um, we were in a business group, a uh, peer advisory group at the time, and he was in the CEO section of it, and I was in the key executive session section with other um, key executives and companies, and the leader of that group, um, after a meeting that we had together, pardon me, <clears throat> um, said something to my dad about, you know, Jennifer has that ownership mentality, hmm. and my dad said really, you know, oh, wow, I'll have to pay a little bit more attention to that, because there were people that had been there for a long time that were in management positions and maybe had, um, could have possibly taken on that role, but they, it wasn't as much of a natural fit, or that um, maybe they didn't have the elements of a, the entrepreneurial spirit, um, and they loved what they did in, in sales, and hmm. so um, that was the moment, though, and I, I'll never forget when you said, you know, Bill said you might be, have the ownership mentality, uh-huh. I was surprised because I didn't see myself that way. And then after that, I started thinking about it a little bit differently and going, really? Well, me. (laughs) Um, so that was awesome. That was it. Yeah.
1: There, uh, I guess by the time this episode is live and out in the world, uh, it will have been the episode that aired two weeks ago with, uh, Carrie King with triple crown sports, which is another family owned business. And we were talking a little bit about it before, This episode started, but he mentioned something so interesting in kind of how that transition took place for them because he said that, uh, his, their family actually went to Harvard business school for this. Like, I don't know, this intensive Mm -hmm. and they were in this session that was focused on family businesses and succession plans. And they were talking about what makes Italian businesses like, You know, there's family businesses that have been around for thousands of years. And like Harvard Business School has kind of tried to study and break this down. you said the number one thing that causes businesses, family businesses to like fail and that is withheld in these Italian businesses is single, like single member succession. And that a lot of family businesses, they want, you know, they have five kids. And so they like the idea of everybody having 20% and they kind of like, retire and pass it on to everybody. And then it ends up, um, bringing tension into the family cause there's, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's equal owners and all this thing, all of these things. Mm-hmm. But there's actually a lot of data to show that when it's a more like simple kind of spearheaded, like, mm-hmm. you know, from one person in the family to another mm-hmm. that increases the chances of succession, oh. uh, pretty strongly, which I was really fascinated by. I thought it was oh, really that. interesting.
0: That is very interesting. Wow. Are
1: any of your other siblings involved or have they wanted to be?
0: No, um, not at all. Ne- no to both of those questions. Um, so, yeah, it's just me. Cool. <laughs> um,
1: you mentioned that you have had, you have two employees that have been there for 35 years.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. That's insane.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, like, I'm sure that you are a little bit biased and you love your company, which is great. But, like, why do you think why do you, people don't really stay at jobs that long anymore? So, like, what... Mm do you think it is about like the light center in the culture and the values that you guys have built that's caused people to want to stay around for that long?
0: Mm. Well, I know people love my dad. Um, He's a great person in general and he's a great person to work for. I think, (laughs) I think Um, he's just honest and generous and fair and um, steady. And he just, I think that they have known for all these years that they love their job because of the products that they sell and they really enjoy mm-hmm. working with cl- clients and, um, have wonderful customers. Um, and they enjoy their, their coworkers. Um, and I think it's just that being able to constantly learn on the products right. too. So there's always something new. There's always something, um, it never gets old in the lighting business. That's for mm. sure. Cause it's constantly changing. Um, but more than anything, yeah, I think it's just the fact that my dad has been, he's a good employer and, and we have a, successful business and yeah. they wanted to, they didn't see any reason not to be there, I guess. Right. And so, is what I would assume. So
1: have there, have there been any like family values that mm-hmm. have kind of maybe transferred, whether it's officially or unofficially from kind of your family to the business? And I guess, what is the, what are the values side of the light center? Mm-hmm. What are those? What does that look like? And kind of how do you guys actually like implement those. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, it would say, um, we have a, I guess our family culture is, um, fun and, uh, very kind and, um, caring about others and, you know, having that awareness of, of what matters to other people. And, um, I definitely think that there's, A lot of people that work for us um, now and in the past, they've said, it feels like family. And um, somehow we've created, I guess, an atmosphere of um, people want to be there and be together. And Mm -hmm. um, the more you create a good atmosphere, the more that that furthers that feeling. So um, definitely a generosity is a big part of my family culture too. Um, Giving and giving back and Mm -hmm. caring about not just our own little store in our, our company, but, um, the greater good and the community and, and really building great relationships with, with our customers, um, is, has been first and foremost. So, um, I don't know what else. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs>
1: uh, so I've, I know you well enough to know that you're super creative mm-hmm. and that you're kind of like in your element when you can really be thinking of how to use your gifts in creative ways. Um, I don't know your dad that well, but I think through conversations I've learned that like your dad is pretty like practical business. Like he seems like really know, like the numbers of it and the business of it and stuff. Mm -hmm. Obviously neither one is right or wrong. They're Mm -hmm. just different personalities. Mm -hmm. How has that been? You guys like working together and working on transitioning something to get transitioning the business when, uh, it sounds like strengths wise, uh, you're pretty different
0: mm-hmm. um, I think that uh, through my creativity I've brought a lot of new things to the table um, and allowing myself to think outside the box in times when normally we wouldn't have like for example when the the economy we knew that the economy was going to be going down and we were looking at okay well how can we either diversify our business or somehow you know not just hunker down and and see the building industry. Shrinking. Right. Cause you guys were like uh-huh.
1: directly connected to the, to the housing industry, mm-hmm. which is what got hit first.
0: Yeah. So I think that the, you know, for me it was like, okay, well I have this creative, creative idea that we should do retrofitting and that, that's energy efficiency. So it was kind of a different side of our business and it allowed us to expand a little bit. Um, so I think that was good because that actually helped us grow some during, even right. during the economic downturn. Or stay steady. Um, and then my dad being so um, practical and, you know, um, having that sort of uh, bring that mind frame to me, it just helps ground and really, um, you know, because if I like to be in the visioning for the future, um, he, he is, I hear his voice constantly in my head about things that are grounding me into what are the needs today? What are the things that are the most practical? And best decisions for the business that we need to focus on. Um, so yeah, he's, uh, he's been a great mentor in that way. And, um, I think it's a good, uh, combination really. Right. It it serves us well, I believe.
1: That's cool. I, you mentioned the recession, which now was a decade ago Mm -hmm. and I was not even close to in business then, um, or thinking about business. But, uh, when Moses One of our friends was on the podcast. We kind of like talked a little bit about some of the things they did because obviously they're very connected to the housing industry too. Um, Tell us a little bit about that season of Mm -hmm. this huge nationwide, really worldwide recession. Mm -hmm. And how did you guys make it through that? What were some Mm -hmm. things that you did and you hinted at some, but what were some more things that you guys did to really Mm -hmm. just stay above float for that one to two year period?
0: Yeah. It was first focusing on what can we do. So instead of looking at um, having an outlook of, oh, business is going down, we're gonna, you know, something's gonna affect us negatively. It was okay. What are all the things we can do to either grow business, um, gain new customers, anything? And we did it. We were able to, thank goodness, be successful in that too. So we we made a really strong outreach to. Uh, new clients, and that was a lot of builder clients. Um, and we had really good operations to be able to buy well and mm. have, um, we already had, I guess, a leg up in our in our current or our uh, local market right. to be able to do really good buying and get things still on time and store them for customers. And mm-hmm. as some of our perhaps competition wasn't able to uphold those types of um, customer strategies, we were, so it gave us a leg up. Um what else? And I mentioned the starting the retrofitting business and the energy efficiency. That was just a kind of a stroke of luck because of the magical timing of the city of Fort Collins deciding to um, go down the the road of focusing on energy efficiency and having programs available with rebates, right. so that we could offer those. Um, and then same with XL Energy in Denver. Hmm. Um, so it gave us a market um, for which to go after. And really, it was like a. Um, the, the decisions for business owners to spend money right then to change their lighting, um, because there was such a good rebate program, it was a no brainer. So right. yeah, most of the people wouldn't have been spending money, but it was a great program and they, we went, we got a lot of business that way. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. It's amazing
1: how, I mean, a lot of what you said was, you know, relationships you guys had had and mm-hmm. trust that you'd already had after, I guess it would have been about 35, 37 years at the mm-hmm. time. Um,
0: and we were also able to hire some people from our competition. So Interesting. it was a whole gathering of, um, cause, and that's, that's what made some of the biggest difference for us too, was, um, gaining new clients and new, new employees right. through that, that change. So, which mm-hmm. I,
1: I think goes to show that you, you know, having a trusted business is probably the best thing you can do for a the next recession. Cause there will be mm-hmm. another one and mm-hmm. stuff. And I think there's so many businesses where people are trying to make money as quick as they can by, you know, offering discounts or fancy widgets, or mm-hmm. they're just trying to like grow as fast as they can. When in reality, like long-term sustainability wise, like you need real people to trust you mm-hmm. as a company.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I like people in town, actually, they really do trust the light center.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, that's cool to hear in regards to the recession that just the relationships and I mean, it sounds like the foundation you guys had kind of already built unknowingly probably really helped you to get through that.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, shoot. Where was the question? It was right there. Top of my head. Hmm. Um, and obviously we can edit some of these parts out. Uh, or if you need to go off the, off the record and cuss about somebody, you can do that too. (laughs) um okay I want to dive a little bit more into like your creative mind Mm -hmm. um because I think that is when you kind of come the most alive when thinking about some of those ideas but like with this world of lighting and uh something like we said earlier in the interview that we encounter every day like where do you see it going? Like, where do you, you, you mentioned some ideas of kind of getting into our circadian
0: circadian rhythms.
1: circadian mm-hmm. cicada is an insect. So not that, Yeah. but, um, like really how lighting affects us and just as technology is constantly innovating and how, you know, people are becoming more interested in just efficiency and all of these things mm-hmm. like from a creative side, like where do you see the lighting industry going? that gets you really, really excited or some opportunities that get you really excited?
0: Oh my goodness. Where do I begin? Um, (laughs) well I've said recently, I, the last thing I would ever want to be is the blockbuster in the Netflix world. Yeah, And I feel like, um, one thing that could quickly change, especially because we have most of our products being made in China and that is a huge, um, element of our business that we can't ignore, especially now when we've had talks about tariffs and things mm-hmm. like that coming up, um, it becomes even more front and center. But you, I think about where the, where the uh, industry could go as far as product um, development and product manufacturing. And you think about technologies like 3D printing or people being able to, I don't know, design their own thing and you know, use some sort of sustainable material, print it out, change it, you know, melt it back down, redo it. Um, I don't know what those things might be, but I think about the fact that, um, manufacturing and technology could change our business tremendously. Hmm. Um, I've heard of things like, um, you know, paint that actually has light in it. So actually walls could become, You know, we could we could completely see a change in how lighting is done, even in like it's not going to be wired into a box or plugged in. There's a potential for like completely other changes like that coming. But um,
1: are there any things now that like mm -hmm. are that you never thought would be like the equivalent of what that might be in 20 years? Are there things now that if you rewind a decade Mm -hmm. or two that you're like, man, I did not expect this to be a big thing?
0: Um, I definitely wouldn't have expected like the, the connectivity of things. So, Mm. um, the fact that people want to use their phone and control all the lights in their room and be able to, you know, that they would actually prefer to use their phone as a control for even their fans or something like that. Whereas, you know, we're used to just switches and hardwire and things like that. So the wireless technologies and, um, those things are all happening so quickly that I I never know where the market's going to go with that. But yeah, Yeah. that definitely surprises me. Um, The way that people use light, um, you know, even the fact that now in design, it's changed to where... Many more people are putting in recessed cans, and there's not as many decorative fixtures hanging in a in a room. Mm-hmm. That has changed how we sell because we need to focus more on the recessed products, and we still love the decorative items. What do you mean
1: by recess? Oh,
0: thank you. Um, so it's those canisters or cans. Okay. There's different names for them, and depending on if you're from Canada, you'd call them a pot like those? light.
1: <laughs> like more something like that. Yes. Yeah, so okay. it recesses
0: up into the ceiling. Okay. Um, so those have because a lot of people are liking the more clean and modern look right now, um, they still love fixtures or decorative pendants or chandeliers or things like that. But we're seeing a trend more towards putting in more recessed cans and making it a little bit more on the utilitarian side versus, um, you know, as much of the decorative as we were seeing maybe like five or seven years ago. Right. Um, but those things can quickly change even right back. So, Hmm. um, it feels like trends change faster, consumer habits change faster. How do you
1: stay above those trends? Like, how do you stay in front of those? And I'm, I'm uh, sure that's a question that you wonder mm-hmm. yourself, but... Um, you know,
0: I try to just... I, I I guess constant education for myself would be going to... Um, maybe it's a real estate conference or a lighting conference or just talking to, to customers and somehow you ask them a question and they give you one little clue. It's like, oh, I didn't think about that. Right. And so just being, staying curious, I think is the biggest thing, Hmm. you know, and not always thinking like, Oh, things are the way they are. And I'm just going to go throughout my day and be, you know, this is, it is how it is. Like I always am looking at what is the next thing I want to be ahead of the market and I want to be ahead of, um, how things are changing. And um, I would
1: imagine in that there's probably with that curiosity Mm -hmm. and that willingness to like, want to kind of jump on something. Mm -hmm. I'd imagine there's times where you're wrong or where you think something's going to like pop (laughs) or be like the next trend in lighting. And it's not like, Mm
0: -hmm. has that
1: happened where in your desire as a company to stay Mm -hmm. with the trends or ahead of the trends where you've kind of had to realize like, you know what, we were, we were wrong with this trend. We're kind of having to go backwards or
0: yeah, I mean, and it's sometimes it's as simple as like making a decision to bring a bunch of inventory in because you think like, okay, these are a smaller profile under cabinet light and it's so cool because it can you can change like the color temperature, and you can change the color of the actual fixture. Well, and then electricians decide they don't like how it's how it wires in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like one little stumbling block like that.
1: Can, can you just buy totally a bunch change. of inventory for Yeah
0: and it, we luckily we have so many channels we can sell through so yeah. we just have to find a way to you know redirect it but um you find that sometimes yeah either a trend or a style or a color that you think is really popular it changes really quickly and you can't always catch up as quickly as you want to so yeah yeah
1: So kind of coming towards the end of this, I, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I love that, you know, you've mentioned innovation, you've mentioned curiosity, you've mentioned several things that I imagine if I had a bunch of your, um, employees in here that they would probably say, you know, these things are important values to our company. Um, talk to me a little bit about just kind of that culture of, you know, aside from lighting, Mm -hmm. just thinking about you guys are a small business. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep. Do you need a cough? I do.
1: <coughs> Thank no you. No worries. <laughs> Aside from lighting, you're a small business with, did you say 39 employees? 38 employees. 38 uh-huh. employees, um, a sizable, well-respected business. Like what are some important, what have been some important things for you to just have a healthy business and a healthy culture for the people, the 39 people that you guys have?
0: Mm-hmm. Um... <clears throat> I guess, trying to be more proactive with, um, things that matter to employees Mm -hmm. and making sure that we have things that, that, um, they care about provided to them. Um, sometimes that's, you know, we keep our our insurance program, you know, I'm not going to just because insurance costs are going up and that's something that could cost our business more. Um, I know that that's really important, especially in hiring right now. Um, benefits are a huge, huge thing. Um, so, pretty much in any given day, it's like, well, do new employees that are doing retail need more, slightly more flexible hours? Um, you know, and so that's really what it is, I think, is trying to keep our employees happy. Um, right. You know, getting them an extra screen for their computers or, um, you know, a laptop if they need it, whatever it, tools that either make their job easier, make them feel more comfortable. Um, and, you know, just taking care of our employees Mm -hmm. really. So
1: that's great. Yeah. It's been a unintended theme of this podcast of just like people first. Like if you take care of your people, then, um, yeah, I would say people and values have been the two things that whether we've tried to bring them out in conversations or not, those two things seem to be, um, pretty important to companies that make it is Mm -hmm. like really treating your people Mm -hmm. well. Yeah, Uh, Can't really avoid it.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. What would you say um, there's, you know, on the other side of this microphone is a lot of other business owners and other people that are passionate about starting things. And, um, you know, we've been in a mastermind together. And so there, you know, we're around other people that are other entrepreneurs and business owners. What would some of your advice to those people be that are either currently owning and growing something or Mm -hmm. that's in their future and they're trying to kind of absorb all that they can before they start their own thing. What would your advice to those people be?
0: Oh, I've got a good one. I would say always be the undercover boss if you can and never lose touch of the things that affect anybody in your company the most because, um, you know, like our business has grown to the point where we have 38 employees. We have people that are out doing deliveries and driving and um, then they, we have other people that are in the showroom helping customers. We have people that are answering the phones and all these different jobs. And it's easy when you have that many employees to lose touch with, you know, what could really negatively or or positively affect everybody um, in a certain department or what really matters to like our warehouse employees versus our sales employees. And so trying to, yeah, find ways to get that information and know that... Um, if people see you caring that that really matters to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the idea of like the undercover boss. Cause you could go and like ride, ride on a delivery with somebody and see right. how that affects them or say, I'll take your, your stuff out today. Now I'm reminding myself that I need to do that. I'm, I'm preaching something that I need to actually do. And I thought about it the other day. So
1: <laughs> go run some deliveries.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've done a little <laughs> bit more in the sales ar- arena and, um, I've done a lot of the other you know, I guess jobs uh here and there, it's easier to dive into those, but like some of the areas I just mm-hmm. don't always think about as much. Right. You know?
1: And so. uh I think that's huge. The show is fun, if you've ever seen the <laughs> show undercover boss. But I think a lot of bosses think like, you know, one day they're they'll just be in their office. Kind of be making decisions from their office when in reality mm-hmm. like you should have your hands in and, you know, know the names on all of the different lines of business and ways that you're touching customers and different mm-hmm. things. So I think that's really great advice
0: yeah,
1: um, to everybody because people, they think being a boss means sitting in an office or sitting on the mm-hmm. beach.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: and hopefully it includes both of those things, yeah. but it mm-hmm. includes a lot more. The last thing I wanted to ask is um, kind of just diving a little bit into the fact that, like, I could go and get good lights from Lowe's or from Home Depot, um, and I'm sure most decent-sized cities around the country have a local light store mm-hmm. that is not as good as the light center. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, how do you guys respond to that element of there's these big box stores that uh, are trying to offer competitive things to you guys? Um, what would your what would you say? I guess how would you uh, encourage somebody to like really support the light center as opposed to going to home Depot or whatnot. Mm.
0: Well, um,
1: sorry if home Depot is listening.
0: No, I, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we love home Depot because it's people, but, um, we, I think, you know, businesses have the opportunity to make such an impact whether it's in their community or with their people or anything like that. And that's, that goes for every business. Right. I will say that I think in our community or in many communities, um, smaller businesses have the flexibility to react more and, and to have a little bit more touch with like local things. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if there's causes like we care about or the community cares about, we are maybe more likely to give right directly back to those things that people care about. And, um, we do, we do a lot of giving. So, um, I think knowing who you do business with and where that, the money, the dollars you're spending, where that's going. Mm -hmm. And if you're, you know, if somebody's deciding to buy online, um, I think it's, you know, I think that's, that's someone's decision. And also knowing where your dollars are going, because dollars really make an impact. They, they mean in our society, it it actually equates to a lot of power. It can make big decisions and, um, and it can also make, um, big impacts on, um, for other people's lives. So, um, I don't know if that sounds, what that sounds like, but I guess I just mean, um, you know, buying, buying local or buying with a store that, um, you know who you're doing business, wherever that may be, I think is what matters because you are, you're affecting people's lives and you're supporting them in their livelihood and being able to to create jobs, um, wherever that is. Totally.
1: And more and more people are wanting to know where their money's going. Like Mm -hmm. I'm parting ways with my hard earned dollars every single day in different ways. And I want to know that those dollars are supporting, real people mm-hmm. and that they're supporting those people's dreams and visions. And, and unfortunately we've all heard horror stories of big companies that their only concern is making as much money as possible and squeezing, squeezing everything as tightly as possible. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's huge amount of value in just knowing that your dollars are going towards, um, local families. And, mm-hmm. uh, I saw a sign that was just like one of those little street chalk signs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it was a local business and they just said, thank you for supporting our daughter's soccer team and for, you know, supporting our family's Christmas bread. They like listed a bunch of things of, mm-hmm. you know, their family just mm-hmm. kind of saying thank you. But a lot of people don't realize that when, you know, those things still happen when we're supporting, huge companies. Obviously money is money and it all Mm -hmm. goes to paying people at some point, Mm -hmm. but really supporting local causes and local families. I think it does, it goes a long way. And I think that Mm -hmm. the good thing for you is consumers are becoming a lot more socially conscious and socially engaged. So I Mm -hmm. think that, um, it will help you guys even more as things continue to develop. Do you just serve Northern Colorado or do you guys like ship everywhere?
0: We can ship anywhere. Um, we don't make it a daily practice to like do an outreach to anything outside of the northern Colorado region or Steamboat, for example. But we easily can, you know, anywhere someone lives, they can right. call us or email us or contact us. Um, we can do business anywhere very cool. easily. Yeah, we have a daily shipping. Cool. We can ship anywhere.
1: And tell our listeners, like, what's your website and what do you and- think are some of uh, the best things on that people can find on your website or Ooh. your favorite?
0: Oh, oh my gosh. Well, we have a blue chair. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay. It's not lighting, but, um, our light, our website is lightcenterinc.com. So light center, and then inc.com Um, the best things on our website. Um, I guess the best things on our website are the things that you see and you immediately are like, I love that. And I, I think I need to have it because it makes me feel happy. And we, you know, we talk a lot of lately about like what sparks joy. Uh, I definitely think that lighting sparks joy been, for people and they see it. They're like, Oh my gosh, I, I would love that in my kitchen. You've been you a part of the Marie Kondo kitchen. craze. <laughs> and it's not a, it's not really a selling thing, but it's a, it's more about, um, I think we do feel better when we have, you know, a nice atmosphere around us and if we enjoy the things, um, I'm in like a major purging mode right now and I can't wait to actually get rid of some of the lamps mm-hmm. that I have in my house, oddly enough. But um, our website has thousands of products on it and it might overwhelm you, but you can always um, call someone or we can walk you through what may be some, some ideas or you can start a cool. wish list. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much mm-hmm. for um, opening up just some about your story and some of the details about how that's transitioned from you being... Uh, a little girl getting pop and going down the, the slide <laughs> at the light center to now, um, being in charge and seeing it be a large company that can serve a lot of people in, in a lot of valuable ways. So thanks for showing thank up you. today.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Seth.
1: Welcome back to the part of the show where we dive in and see what we can learn, what we can actually walk away with as business owners and people that are starting things or wanting to start things. And so we have our guest, Kurt Baer, with us from Loco Think Tank. Um, Kurt and I both know Jennifer really well. Uh, Jennifer is a member in Kurt's Mastermind Peer Advisory Group. But Kurt, in this conversation, really unique story, really unique business, what can we walk away with? How can we take this and actually apply it to our lives and to our business?
2: I loved uh, I loved the interview with Jennifer. She's uh, enthusiastic uh, about both the business and the opportunities to to have a different business than her father built, but also have it carry on a lot of those values and traditions. Right. So, uh, and one thing that I really pulled out right away um, was that the tension and the benefit of having two different kinds of people in kind of that leadership role you know the tension of transitioning to the second generation but then especially with jennifer being the creative type more and and dad being a very stable and do we we do business kind of the way it's always been done uh can be a great benefit as we saw in the story of the energy efficiency retrofits you know Mm -hmm. i don't know if if her father would have come up with that idea Mm -hmm. and uh but her being, you know, more imaginative in things and, and, and good job on him for recognizing that opportunity quickly and, and mobilizing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard that story from her before and, and he was there actually when I heard it the first time and, and uh, you know, it would have been a lot tougher time for them to weather that because uh, not many people were buying mm-hmm. new homes. Not many people were upgrading their, their uh, interior lighting at that time, so.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that's super valuable to... I mean, it, it kind of—it's almost about embracing the, the some of the differences around you, rather than totally. saying this is the way that things should be done in this business yeah, forever.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I think that the business will become only stronger and stronger because of her embrace of that mentality. Yeah, and it's certainly more a newer me- way of thinking, I suppose, about mm-hmm. management. But I think it is emerging because it is more effective.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, the second uh, the second one I pulled out, uh, and she called it "undercover boss," but uh, it's what my first boss uh, twenty years ago or so uh, called management by walking around. I love that. And uh, and he was a bank president, and and you know just checking in with everybody. You know, at least once a week, everybody gets a quick five minutes with the bank president. You mm-hmm. know, and and not because he's calling them into the office where they're scared to death of what he's going to say but by you know what are you working on here Mm -hmm. and uh what do you like about this job yeah whatever that looks like uh, but that connection point especially as staffs get bigger
1: yeah and i mean with what you do with peer advisory groups i think you work with a lot of people that have siloed themselves as business owners Mm -hmm um, and hopefully are breaking out of that. But yeah, I think it's, it's really easy to like stay in your office and do your, do your business owner work when in reality, um, you're kind of working for the people and you need to know them.
2: For sure. For sure. And and those relationships are easier to cultivate when there's three or five people on your team than when there's 20, Uh, you know, by the time the business grows that much, a, if you haven't built your processes and systems well, then you got all your time spent feeding the dragon Mm -hmm. um but b it's just harder to have intentional relationship with 20 people than it is with five you can't help it when there's five kind of
1: yeah yeah absolutely
2: so anyway i thought that was a, a wise uh part of her routine that she's focused on increasing all the more so definitely uh do that and then uh after you scared her with uh, with your <laughs> statistics on you know how many second generation businesses fail, I love that she was not scared, right? And uh, you know that response of just accepting challenges and and she's writing her story, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and the light center is writing its own path, and you know it harkens back to the the old Henry Ford: if you think you can or think you cannot, right? And so mm-hmm. I, I love that that. Uh, the, I don't know how to say this, so I, so I loved how she just came back and and wasn't concerned about that. Mm-hmm. wasn't concerned about what the statistics say, but uh, we're navigating a right a, a changing world, and and we're, the success is the path.
1: Yeah, and I think there's such a good example of a company that for forty seven years they've. Valued customer service, they've valued their employees, they've mm-hmm. given back to the community, yep. and they just, they've kept doing those things. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's evidence, you know, they've innovated along the way, mm-hmm. but a lot of the staples as far as how they're integrated into the community have been the same, and I think that's a huge piece to their success.
2: Right, and just, uh, you know, between their location and their client list and stuff, they've got a big competitive advantage against others that might mm-hmm. enter that. Although certainly, um, you know, online, you know, Alibaba yep. is a danger in something like that, or Amazon, yeah. or whatever. So uh, she'll she'll have to be nimble and, and creative to figure out what that path looks like long term.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for th- yeah. thanks for bringing those things up, and I hope that all of our listeners can apply those to to their business. And uh, if you are a family-owned business, then I hope that you can um, be encouraged with. Uh, what Jennifer was just kind of the stance that she was taking of, you know, we're just going to keep doing the right things and we're going to keep working on it. And I think that's really valuable. So as always, thank you everybody so much for listening to the podcast. It means the world uh, to us. And I also know that our guests, it's a really great opportunity for them to share um, their story, which you'd be surprised they often have not shared their story in in this kind of a way. And so it's just a neat experience. And we appreciate your reviews and your feedback and you showing up week after week. And so next week, we will be back with another episode of the Small Business Storytellers. And we hope you have a wonderful week.